Hello, this is Alexander Wolf and you're listening to the 17 Academy and I'm very honored to have him here. The Vogue once said that he's the Pope of German fashion, like he's the godfather of German fashion designers. Michael Michalski is here. Hello, Michael. Hi, thank you for having me. Let's skip the small talk and just dive into, we're both Berliners, we don't have to be friendly, we have to be efficient. Uh, the question is, if I think about fashion design, first of all, this doesn't sound very sustainable, but you showed that you can do fashion and do also sustainable things. Can you give us a few examples what you already did to help this world? Uh, well, um, you know, I've also been, I've almost been working 30 years in fashion. And when I started to be a fashion designer, um, the fashion world was a really different, uh, kind of world than it is today. When I started, there were two seasons a year. There was spring, summer, and there was fall, winter. And for spring, summer, you would design things that you do really wear in summer climate. And for winter, you would design clothes that uh, work for colder climate. Um, during my time as a designer, you know, when I first started, something like fast fashion, um, these huge chains weren't really existing and they kind of developed uh, um, along the lines of democratizing um, fashion and style for everybody. And, you know, we've come now to a situation where there are some brands that offer Uh, new collections every two weeks. And, um, you know, I've, of course, noticed this and um, said about seven years ago, this is really wrong. I think, um, you know, people are being uh, made to buy things that they really don't need um, when they go into these shops. You know, they're just enticed by uh, the cheap price of the, of the stuff they see. Maybe they go inside a store and they're really looking for a jacket. But uh, until they get to the department where they sell jackets, they already have collected maybe a pair of jeans for $9.99 and like three T-shirts for $2.55 and, and so on and on and on. So I, I decided to do the complete opposite seven years ago and move away from ready-to-wear, meaning prefabricated clothes that are then being offered in, 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 um, independent, at independent retailers or e-commerce platforms. And I said, as a designer, I want to do the complete opposite. I want to do haute couture, which is made to measure, um, where I can be as creative as I want to be because none of the garments, the clothes that I design have to be reproduced in huge quantities. Um, um, so I started setting up a network with local um, craftsmen like tailors, um, hat makers, all these type of people. Um, and now I make uh, clothes um to reflect what I'm feeling and to express what I think is uh, creatively right. And of course, these things are really quite um, expensive compared to like a T-shirt or jeans for $9.99. But uh, you will have them all your life because, you know, the materials I use are really, really high class materials from fabric mills that I personally know. Everything's being made here in Berlin. And the whole thing works as a halo for all the other products that I do because, you know, my aim was always to um, offer a complete lifestyle. So I'm, you know, doing eyewear, I'm doing wallpaper, I'm doing perfumes and so on and on and on. 
And um, for me, it was also important to bring back that consuming is really going to be fun again because a lot of times when people now consume, it's not really about fun. It's just being like, uh, you know, looking at what somebody else wears who's maybe a celebrity and trying to be like that person. Um, funnily enough, during the last lockdown, I've written my second book and it's called Minimal Style. And in this book, I talk about what you really need um, and what you don't really need and how you find your personal individual style because it's not about uniformity. It's about like being being different, but like purchasing or buying uh, much more thoughtful than before. But can that function that you don't buy that much stuff, that you don't change your style every six months, but just wear the same clothes like for two, three, four years and still be stylish? Is that possible? Well, you, you know, there's already the first mistake in thinking. If you have a style, your style will last all your life and you will first need to find out what your style is because style is more than clothes. Style is an attitude towards life and you, clothes help you to transport that attitude that's standing to the outside world and help you to create your own individuality. And um, no, I don't think so. I, you know, I, I love fashion. I will always love fashion. And I think fashion is a really important thing because it makes people feel good and anything that makes people feel good is great. But like um, when you start purchasing fashion in a different way, you even enjoy it much more. Because when I was a teenager, you know, there weren't so many luxury brands and so many fast fashion stores. There weren't fast fashion stores at all. And um, to, sorry, I'm going to switch off my outlook. <laughs> um, so, so I used to go into shops and I like, I knew I needed a jumper and I wanted a particular jumper. So I used to go to the shops to try to single out one jumper that I really wanted. And then I was waiting for Christmas, Christmas money, or like my uh, part-time school jobs. And I was like collecting the money and hoping that that particular jumper would be in the sale. And at, during that time, there were sales twice a year, not mm. like every day. Mm. And while I was visiting this jumper, as an example, every week to see if it was still there, hoping it would go into the sale, in my head, I'd already made up how I could combine that jumper with the things that I already have. And when you do that kind of thinking and approach towards fashion, then 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 you can always look different. Mm, okay. Like I, for example, have also this golden rule at home, you know, for every piece of clothing or shoe that I buy, one needs to go out. Wow. Where it's like 10 years ago, I used to just collect it all. And like I came to a point about 10 years ago where I said, this is really stupid because when you buy new things, you have put them in your wardrobe, but you continue to wear your old clothes because you think, <laughs> well, I bought something new and I just want to look after it really well. And oh no, it's too nice for this occasion or it's this. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking like, you know, whenever I now buy something, something else needs to go. Wow, so you're promoting a complete new attitude towards fashion, but actually that's the old attitude uh, or traditional attitude that just comes up new. But coming from fashion to collaborations and partnerships, you are known for building partnerships. You do networks. And uh, this is special because in fashion industry, many people have a very big ego and a low level of collaboration skills with you. It's different. You just mentioned your network that you build of, of handcrafts and so on. Um, what's different? What do you dif do different than others in that scene? 
Well, first of all, I think I'm, I've been working as a designer for almost 30 years very successfully because I'm always interested in the present and the future and never really in the past. That's mm. why I don't really like talking so much about what I've done so far. But um, when I was working at Adidas from like 1995 to 2006, um, I saw already that um, sportswear was going to be so much bigger and was going to be used for something else than sports that it will soon become a status symbol for uh, youth cultures to to express what kind of youth culture they're part of or um, um so i was always i'm always very very interested in music um, because there is no youth culture without music and there's always first the music and then there is the look that accomplish uh, uh, accomplishes the um um, the the music to express what these artists want to say, even in a more visual form. And, you know, when I started at Adidas, I didn't start there because Adidas was um, um, the most successful supplier of um, sneakers for the Olympic Games or football world championships. I went there because I had studied in London and I was in London uh, uh, when the second summer of love started, when Asset House started, right. which basically built the foundation of the dance culture um, that we see everywhere in the world and that particularly a city like Berlin strives off big time. Mm. And there, something had changed. Like the year before when you used to go to clubs, you used to wear designer clothes head to toe and they had like uh, bouncers and um, pickers that would tell you no sneakers or there would even be a sign saying no sneakers. But when these warehouse parties were taking part, um, obviously the need and function uh, for your clothes had changed because people went there to go raving for like mm. 12 or 14 hours. Mm. So suddenly you saw people wearing sneakers, you saw people wearing tracksuit pants. And, you know, at the time, these big sport companies, they hadn't really seen it, although it had already, if you're honest, had already happened before at the late 70s when hip-hop and rap started. Run the because they were the first youth culture. Yeah. Exactly. They were the first youth culture to wear sneakers out of context, mm-hmm. um, not for their function, but as a, as, as a fashion statement. So then I was thinking, what's going to be the next level? Um, and I was thinking, well, the next level is that this, these type of products are going to move into the luxury market. And as a brand, as an Adidas brand, which is like a, a, a grassroots brand, um, you know, Adidas has been worn by people that play football on a local level once a week mm-hmm. or uh, people that go hiking, but it's also worn by uh, uh, people like, uh, or has been worn by people like Muhammad Ali um, and uh, other famous athletes and, you know, by players of Bayern Munich mm-hmm. or the German um, federal football team. And I knew that the brand itself could have, would never be able to achieve that. So at the time, also the designers picked up on the hype of sportswear. And um, I decided that if Adidas wants to go into another league and reach different consumers, then it is only going to happen with somebody who's so different. And that's when I started working with Yoshi Yamamoto. And um, first it was Adidas for Yamamoto, a limited edition shoe collection, and it catapulted Adidas in magazines it's never been before, like, you know, Vogue and all these 
places because, you know, everything had three stripes on it. And mm. then that helped to trickle down and made three stripes cool uh, for everybody. And first it was meant to be a temporary kind of venture, but it became so successful that then I created um, a, sec uh, a subsidiary brand out of it called Y3. And I think Y3 has its 20th birthday uh, um, this year. And I worked with Yoji because... He is very, 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 very different, but at the same time, he was very, very uh, much the same like um, our founder, um, Adi Dasla, was a cobbler and an inventor who like tried to find solutions and would be in his workshop to the early hours of the morning to make a football shoe better and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with Yoji. Yoji doesn't care about tr trends. He's Yoji Yamamoto, and he's like all his clothes about movement when he designs clothes. He, he he looks at them um, while they're being paraded up and down to him. And everybody in the beginning said, like, why Yoshi Yamamoto? He's, like, so completely different. He's so avant-garde. And there's Adidas, which is, like, one of the most famous brands in the world and has a connection to almost every type of consumer. And I said, exactly, that's the explanation, because it can only work if people bring something completely different to the table and that creates that win-win situation that everybody's always looking for. Oh, great. So you already told me what we can take out of this. So if I'm running an NGO and fighting for the sustainable development goals, people tend to always align with people who are similar to them. They always try to find the same people. Well, I personally... I, I personally think hanging with the same people is really, really, really boring. That's why, for example, <laughs> sure. in my circle of friends, there's nobody that works in fashion because uh, uh, I find it much more interesting to learn and uh, from other people or to hear stories from other people. Mm -hmm. And the more opposite they are to myself, I think it's the more, most interesting because if you hang with the same type of people, you will always hear the same types of stories the same types of solution the same types of problems but mm -hmm. if you uh, uh, work with people or get together with people that are the complete opposite of you um, it's a lot of fun it can be very hard and difficult but it will be very rewarding but let's come to the hard and difficult part because working with people who are completely different means conflicts and collisions so how to manage that if you have people who are completely different than you how how you how do you bring them together how you manage these conflicts well the first a well the first aim needs to be uh, the first thing needs to be that everybody has the same aim otherwise mm. you're not going to have a win-win situation mm. but how you get to that win-win situation um differs from both sides mm. but okay. Each of the sides along the process will listen and hear to, will hear thoughts, ideas that that other side would never be able to come up with because everybody lives in their own little, um, bubble, bubble. you know, in their business bubble or in their thinking bubble. And, but by, so you have to really want to do it. It's not, it's not going to help if you're forced to do it. But like, uh, if, if, if you want to do it, um, because you think it's a challenge that helps you to grow or whoever you work for, or whatever you do, your project will grow. If that's the attitude, then it can be, uh, it can be very rewarding and very fruitful. Of course, in my life and time, I also had collaborations 
Well, it didn't work out. Of course. But um, mainly it did work out. Well, Michael, I think perhaps you should consider changing your job, changing from fashion designer to philosopher, because that's a very wise statement that you just gave. Ah. <laughs> well, Gandhi, Jesus and Mao said similar things. So uh, I'm very proud to have somebody like you living in I mean, well, I'm, I'm, well, I'm really flattered. Now, thank God there's a podcast and nobody can see me because I'm getting bright red. Yes, I, I think the people you just mentioned, the people you just mentioned, um, they're in a very different league. I'm working in fashion and I'm I, I'm trying to improve and I'm learning and I love what I do and I love fashion and I, I know people do love fashion and I try to make this world a little bit better even with very very small steps you know well, but, if, but um, if we're many people I do that because I really want to if we're enough people doing enough small steps then we're going to achieve great things so uh, thanks for doing that we're on 70 minutes and 10 seconds so i'm really proud that we made this even in wow. time yeah so thanks for taking the time bye bye you're welcome bye <laughs>